Hi there, and welcome to the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast. In this podcast, we share all things Nordic and natural, such as Nordic skincare tips, insights into the natural beauty industry, and unheard behind-the-scenes stories. I am Sato Mäkinen, the founder of the Nordic Natural Beauty Awards, and I will be your host in diving into these topics. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you won't miss the coming episodes. Alright everyone and welcome to another episode of the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast, Sophie Gripenberry. She's a sustainability professional with several years of experience working and also volunteering in fields related to fair trade, organic farming, climate change, poverty reduction, empowerment and humanitarian response. As a sustainability coordinator for a large humanitarian organization handling more than 300 secondhand shops, she understands the complexities of sustainable production and making sustainable choices as a consumer. Sophie is also the founder of A Sustainable Closet, our brand new collaborating partner, and now you can understand why this episode is very special. She started the platform in a simple manner with blog posts on her outfits, and the blog grew and it suddenly became a platform for sustainable fashion. A sustainable fashion consultant, Isabel Lind, joined the journey and together they are now changing the way we think about sustainability in fashion. So we are starting a collaboration with A Sustainable Closet and the Nordic Natural Beauty Awards because fashion and beauty really go hand in hand in many ways. Sustainability is a big subject to tackle in both industries today. So in this episode, you will hear how incredibly alike the industries and their challenges actually are and how you can start your sustainable closet journey in both fashion and beauty. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So welcome to the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast, Sophie. Thank you very much. This is very exciting times for both of us since we are starting a collaboration together. But would you like to share a little bit about who you are and who is Isabel, who's not with us today, but also with A Sustainable Closet? Yeah, I'm Sophie Griefenberg and uh, I'm a sustainability professional and I've been working with sustainability for more than 10 years now. Hmm. Most of my background is like I have a transdisciplinary academic background where I'll be doing research abroad about international migration, agroforestry, women empowerment, and those kind of things. So I'm very much rooted in, in sustainable development, but I've also been working a lot quite practically as a sustainability consultant, like helping restaurants and hotels to become more climate environmentally friendly. And I've been working the last five years uh, a lot in the humanitarian sector. So I was coordinating the sustainability work at the Swedish Red Cross, and uh, last year I was also working for the UN in, in Jordan. So my field is quite broad, but uh, the red threat is like to decrease the climate environmental impact and move towards more sustainable way of doing things. So that is who I am and that is my background. And I'm, I'm based in Stockholm, even though I have a very nomadic lifestyle and prefer to be abroad if I can. You both do, right? Yeah, both me and Isabel, we, we work like we already met physically once, actually, uh, but we talk every week. So, yeah, that is that that's the case. And yeah, Isabel is amazing. She she joined a sustainable class a little bit more than a year ago. Um, and if, if I come from the sustainability scene with all the like climate environmental awareness, 
which she also has, but she she comes from the fashion scene. Like she's a stylist and she's been studying fashion in Milan. So she knows the industry very, very well. And she has a really, really good eye for when it comes to styling and taste. So we marry very, very well what we with what we're trying to do at a sustainable closet. Mm, you both have your own strengths what comes to to the project as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, if we talk a little bit about your background and what comes to sustainability, do you have like a first memory or first thing that you remember that was linked to sustainability? Perhaps a random question. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I've always been passionate. Like I, I grew up in a family where we had several pets and I was already very like engaged in the rights of animals when I was like 10 or 11 years old. Mm. And when I was 14, 15, I, all of my thesis and work in school was about women, like equal rights for women and gender issues. So I was quite an activist already at a very young age. And, uh, but of course, I didn't know what, what, is, what to call it or how to work with it. And then when I started my bachelor degree, when I was 21, 22, that, that was the time when it really um yeah clicked for me what sustainability is and means for me and how unsustainable our world is and they like the whole system and it was clear for me that was my path that was my passion mm. um and i've been involved in all kinds of activist movements but i think i've been throughout the years becoming very more pragmatic and, and way more business oriented and probably way more yeah pragmatic is the right word and, and less of an activist um, I've been doing a lot of voluntary work where I learned a lot about these different issues so the clothing awareness came during my bachelor degree actually because we were studying in development issues where we were also looking at different kinds of industries establishing in themselves in different countries and like what are the challenges of direct investments and what are the possibilities of direct investments and how can companies and businesses lift people up and what ways can they create harm? So that was my introduction to, I think, the fashion industry. It was actually through the the rights of the workers that made me think about it in the first place. Hmm. If you would like to share a little bit about what are the worst problems in the fashion industry and what kind of solutions have you already found and hmm. what there could be? I think the, the problems are in many different areas and it can be very hard for people to really understand what they are all about because there's so many. And I think the first one is about the resources. Like to, to create clothes or produce textiles requires a lot of resources uh, anything from water, you know, there are CO2 emissions involved, chemicals. And I think that is something that is really, really hard to understand. And there's been a few research, a few figures trying to put like one T-shirt requires this amount of water, but they all very much on like an average basis be talking about like thousands of liters of water for one item. So that's something, the first thing, like textiles is a very resource intense product. The other thing is that we are experiencing uh, overconsumption, especially in the in the West. Our textile consumption, like in Sweden, for example, has increased with 30% just the last few decades. And we can see now that more and more countries are growing their middle class. Those people, of course, want to join and enjoy the same things, you know, buy the same kind of fashion, following trends of social media. 
So the, the production and the consumption globally are increasing rapidly, um, which of course has a huge pressure on, on earth resources. The other thing is that textile as a product is very linear. Like we're living in an economy that is just a few percentage circular. And what that means is that we take resources, we produce this product, and then we just throw it away. And very, very little of the clothes we produced are actually reused again, or they might be upcycled or remaked or like produced to something. We use them, we use the clothes to make something else out of it or even recycled. Um, so also the, not only the consumption, but how long we use our clothes or how often and what's happening to them in their end life is a huge, huge problem. And that comes, of course, also to another point, which has to do with the waste that a lot of textiles in the world today end up in landfills. And landfills emit a lot of methane and a lot of CO2 emissions, and it are very, very harmful for people and the nature and people who live nearby them. So these are just like to grasp. And I think there's a one area that goes through all of these, but especially in the production phase, and that has to do with the social sustainability. And that comes that all textiles today, they are handmade. We often see like, oh, handmade, you know, but everything is handmade. There's always been people involved and there's a lot of violation against human rights in the textile industry. Uh, when it comes to the hours people are working, it's a female, like woman dominated industry. Majority of the workers are women. They are lower paid than the men working in other industries, which is also then reflects on the, the gender gap and the, that kind of issues. Um, there's also a lot of security and safety requirements that are not met. And we have these like few decades, the horrible consequences when Rana Plaza, for example, like recently it was Fashion Revolution Week where that highlights uh, this disaster that happened in 2013 when more than a thousand workers lost their lives due to a building collapsing. And that building didn't met the requirements and safety measures for the industries that, that needs to be in place in Bangladesh. There are many, I could go into the social sustainability and the ethical issues, but they are several areas and i think another one i should mention is of course the low wages that sometimes doesn't meet the minimum requirements that are uh, set by law in these countries and sometimes they are even if they meet the minimum requirements they are not living wages and living wages is the wage that people actually need to be able to sustain themselves and their families to be able to buy food to be able to send the kids to school, to pay the electricity bills and so on. So those issues are huge. And, and the way the industry works today and the way we consume today is just having too much of a toll on, on the planet and, and the people. Mm. And these issues have happily come out a lot lately. There are a lot of documentaries, I feel, personally. So I'm obviously following the cosmetics industry a little bit closer, but I can see that the issues are coming out as well a lot. And it's funny how you described all the issues in the fashion industry, because I feel like it's almost the same in the cosmetics side. To be honest, it's all about starting from raw materials, how people are treated everywhere in each stage. And yeah, then the packaging that ends up in the landfills. And it's kind of the same cycle in a way. Exactly. Yeah, and I think if you would look at other industries, like the IT industry is the saying, we produce too many things, we use them too shortly, we can't even recycle them. There's a lot of problems when it comes to the minerals and that are being used in the phones. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I completely agree. I think this is a cross-cutting issue, which truly tells us it's a system, like it's, it's a problem with the system. And in the long run, we need to change the system, of course. Mm. Would you have some sort of solutions or ideas what could help and what do you have, for example, done with a sustainable closet yourself? Yeah, I think I can start with that. The reason why I founded a sustainable closet was that as a sustainability professional, I have uh, been digging into these uh, complex issues and the problems of the fashion industry, but I'm also exploring a lot with my closet personally, like how can I create a more sustainable closet? Because I'm a person that truly enjoys fashion. I truly enjoy to buy fashion magazines. I like to update my closet. I like to play with outfits. Um, I'm a person who who cares. And for me, it's been a journey then trying to, how can I do this in a more sustainable way? How can I make sure that my choices are not doing harm to the planet and the people? So it started just as a blog because a lot of people contacted me like, Sophie, you might know where I can find a more sustainably produced t-shirt or I'm going to Stockholm this weekend. Can you please give me a tips on the best secondhand shops and so on? <laughs> so so I just started this like a simple blog. Um, this was in, the, in 2019. But throughout the years now, I've seen that like we get more and more visitors. People have more and more questions. So... I've been trying to rearrange it more as a, as a platform for sustainable fashion inspiration because what I've learned in my profession is that when people only hear about the problems and never really know the solutions or what they can do instead, they seldom feel motivated to change their behavior. There's actually research about this, that when people have changed the behavior, they're more likely to listen to the arguments and hear about the problems. So what we really want to do is actually people to change their behavior without even being 100% aware of why, um, because that can actually give the best results in the long run. So as the purpose with a sustainable closet is to inspire people to more to create a more sustainable closet that they can still enjoy fashion, they can still like look fashionable, and they can still express themselves, uh, but it doesn't have to do harm, and there's always a better choice. And we try to stay as broad as possible because we want everybody to be able to start their journey. So we just don't want to tell people like only buy secondhand or only do this. So not like we want to elaborate with the concept of a sustainable closet and invite people. This is why we have these interview series because we want to give different perspectives. And for those who have read our interviews and follow us for a while can see that there are many different perspectives of what a sustainable closet is or should be. And we want our readers to to ask for themselves, what is sustainable closet for me? Like, what are the topics I care about? In what what closet do I need for myself? That was how it started, actually. And um, everything you just described describes kind of similarly also the Nordic Natural Beauty Awards in a way that I really wanted to create a platform that could help everyone to find natural cosmetic alternatives and really learn about like what's possible. Mm. For example, that fully natural shampoo exists and, and all this. So in that sense, it's kind of a similar approach. Yeah. And I think that sometimes the environmental movement, I don't know about Finland, but here in Sweden, they can be quite harsh in that way because they could easily see it as a way to, what you say, like encourage people to consume. And I think that is a little bit misleading because people still want to enjoy fashion. People still want to enjoy beauty. 
it doesn't necessarily need to consume new products. Like in beauty, for example, you could create your own products. And in clothes, that's, that's the same thing. You could mend your own things, you know, you, you could exchange with friends. It doesn't necessarily need to mean that you need to buy new items. But there will be a certain things we need to buy more or less sooner or later. Um, and I think to show the alternatives for people, because I find when people start a journey on sustainable closet, it's, it's actually better for them to know that there are ethically produced alternatives. So like instead of going to buy that fast fashion t-shirt, you will go and buy that more ethically produced t-shirt. And somehow it will come along the way that you could change the whole way you experience fashion. But it's the same thing with food. Like we, we don't go from like heavy meat eaters to like vegans in a day. Like we need to find alternatives. We need, to, when it comes to food, we want it to taste good. We want to enjoy the cooking. And it's the same with beauty and clothes. We need, we need to uh, enjoy it if we're going to do this transition. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think probably it's a similar approach in both beauty and fashion that makes people to, to take the steps to change their behavior. Yeah, and I think also it's important to have very different kinds of products for different kinds of consumers in a way. We all have different traits. For example, some like to really treat themselves for very expensive luxury things and some don't want to spend a lot of money, for example, into products and prefer to do it elsewhere. So in the beauty section, it's nice to see that there are products that are, you know, they have very good ingredients and safe ingredients that are also not expensive. And then there are those luxury ones as well. So I think there are both ways also in the fashion side. Yeah. And it's the same thing with clothes. Like there are people who who make a good income, make a good living, that, that like to spend money on better quality, better design. They might invest in something that they will use for a lifetime. And then those high-end, more ethically produced brands are perfect for them because they might buy very seldom and they really want something of better quality. For people that doesn't necessarily are that very interested, it's good that there's options for them too. Um, for those who like to change their closet and play with it but doesn't have the same financial opportunities then we can um, then we can inspire them to go to like the local secondhand shops and and circulate their clothes more or play with these alternatives like i said when you exchange with friends and so on so yeah i completely agree with you there, there are different people who have different preferences different possibilities and, and and also not only when it comes to money but also when it comes to time uh, some people really like to spend a lot of time because sometimes I feel like we might encourage people like buy secondhand, buy secondhand. But if there's no apps or e-commerce available where you live or, or you might want to try things out before you buy them. And if there's no local secondhand shop then where you can find clothes in your size, because sizing is another issue when it comes to sustainable fashion. Then I feel it's also a little bit um, exclusive or like you exclude people by saying that this is the road to a sustainable closet. Like I think there, there needs to be different perspectives and different people considered. And therefore, we all need to find our way and our path and how we like to do things because not everybody has the time you know if you if you work full time and you have a family to feed in the evenings um, sitting and mending might not be the first thing that comes into your mind you know so yeah we need to keep it um, inclusive we need to have several approaches 
but everyone can do something that is better. And I think that's what matters. Exactly. Yeah, the secondhand tours can take quite a time uh, when you look for something specific or if you want to look for something in your size and all that, then that might take some time. Though I also feel in secondhand you can easily find quality with better price, let's say, if we talk about money as well. Yeah. If we talk a little bit about what kind of consumer you have been over the years and are now, I mean, let's talk about fashion perhaps. How has it been over the over the years? I think uh, I was this kind of person that uh, when I was 21 and I started my bachelor degree, I was happy to live in a city where it's not too expensive to live. So I, I had a walk-in closet and it was one of my dreams to have this walk-in closet. And I was also a member of several fast fashion brands. Like I think every Friday when the salary was given or the student loan was given, they had this breakfast shopping mornings, you know, and I always join them and I always buy clothes like on a weekly basis in these stores. And since I was a student, I, I had the mentality like I, I couldn't afford anything else. But the truth is like, well, I, I did buy a lot of fast fashion. So I could have probably have saved up instead and buy like one item I truly wanted. But I, di- I didn't thought about it that way at that time. I just thought I had more clothes of less like money, you know. And then when I started to learn more about the sustainability issues, I changed a lot. Like I changed, I always started to bring my own bag. I, I, I started like zero waste initiatives. I Beauty was one of the areas I was like digging most into in the beginning, like changing a lot of products there. So I started to do these changes, like in my diet, I started to buy only organic and locally and seasonally. And I was already a vegetarian, but I explored the more plant-based kitchen and but fashion, I remember it, it was one of the things that was truly, truly hard for me. Like I did so many good things, but I was it was really, really hard to end those memberships and stop going to those stores. Because what I thought at that time was that there was just no other alternatives. It, it felt like I had to break up with fashion and my, my, my interest in fashion. And I actually did. I actually felt like I was like, okay, if this is these are my values and this is what I want to do for a living, I can't keep on buying clothes like this. So I just rather just have to look ugly. Than- <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, that was how I felt. I was like mourning. I was like, oh, this is so bad. And of course, I started to go to secondhand shops. And of course, I was exploring ethically produced clothes. But like 10 years ago, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that available. And, and if you lived in a small city, it was almost nothing there. When I started with secondhand and ethically produced clothes, I did so many mistakes. And we re- I have read blogs post about this on our platform that, for example, I started to buy things on secondhand that I didn't really like, but I just felt like, oh, I want something new or this dress is too big, but it might fit anyway. <laughs> You know, so it's like, oh, but these pants are so cheap. They're ugly, but they're so cheap. I buy them anyway. And um, or ethically produced clothes. Like I need a new pajamas. This pajamas is really ugly and I would prefer the fast fashion one. But this one is better produced. I buy it anyway. (laughs) So, you know, there were so many things I bought that I thought I was doing a better choice. But I mean, you can't really if you're a person who feel like clothes is a part of your identity, you can't really compromise with with your style. So what, what's happening is that I just ending up buying things that just stayed in my closet because it wasn't a good fit. I didn't feel comfortable in it. I didn't feel like myself. I just I just did so many of these mistakes. And 
sometimes I also kept things for a very long time because I was so attached to them, but I never really used them. And it took me a while before I, I found like, okay, I think it was about two years ago. So I'm in my 30s, so it was quite late. I found like, okay, now I know what I truly like. Now I know what I truly like to wear. And now I know what is worth it for me. How much time do I want to spend? How much money do I want to spend? What is what is something worth? And something I realized that I, I rather buy something high quality that I truly, truly love and don't really care about the price. And of course, that's that's a privilege to be able to say so because I'm I've been working full time. I'm able to do that choice. But but that has truly, truly changed the way I, I consume clothes and for me, it's been very much about building up, like having good jackets, having good shoes, because you can basically wear any, anything underneath as long as you have nice jackets and shoes. For a while, I, for me, it was only secondhand. And for me, it didn't really work. I didn't found everything I liked or I wanted. And I there was also a lot of things I had from secondhand shops in my closet that I couldn't match it. You know, I couldn't set up an outfit, but if I just had that one item, I would be able to use more of my clothes that I actually bought from secondhand. Because sometimes we, when we buy secondhand, we might end up with these very unique pieces, but they might require like a plain white t-shirt to be able to wear underneath or a plain black, you know, pants to be able to have that dress above. You know, there might be a key item you need to be able to use the things you already have in your closet probably going a little bit more into the social sustainability and the animal welfare perspective with age and less the climate perspective. And I always try to think of all of them, but I realize that for me, I kind of also want to support the transition in the fashion industry. I also want to make sure that people like in Bangladesh and India can keep have their jobs and, and make a good living based wage. So when I find these small-scale brands that give so much back to their local community, there are many of them like producing clothes that are upcycled and so on. For me, that is really important. And, and I really love also what they're creating. I think that's also something I try to do with a sustainable closet is to, for people to ask themselves, like, what is important for me? Like, what closet do I need for myself? And sometimes there might be certain things we value more than others like I don't I want to find a closet that has the lowest climate impact that issue is the most important for me or I want to have a closet that is completely circular everything I have in my closet I should be able to sell on second hand or it should be able to mend it like it's really really difficult trying to think about all the sustainability criterias and yourself and and make that a perfect match and a perfect fit we, I think we just need to sometimes rank what, what is truly su- sustainable for me and see what are the criterias that are the most important. And of course, it's quite simple. Like if you truly want to be very sustainable, just buy as little as possible. Yeah, that's kind of funny because I've had some seasons that I was very into fashion and wanted new pieces and especially those unique pieces. So I really loved secondhand stores. And I actually, like we talked a little bit earlier before starting to record that I also had a secondhand store years ago. 
So it's really something that I got really excited about and, and into it. And then I have seasons that I want to go really minimalistic and yeah, I might have a year or two that I don't buy a single new piece of clothing, for example. And this has been actually now with COVID, I guess, that I've been mostly home or kind of in the simple lifestyle in a way that I don't remember when I bought a piece of clothing last time, to be honest. Then you need a change at some point and then it's nice to know which options you have and yeah. what you value the most that you can find also options for those. Yeah. Would, would you say that you have a closet that you are happy about today that you truly like and that you enjoy? Mm, quite mostly, I would think so. And that's also funny that you mentioned that you found your style a little later on. And I guess that goes into everything in life. I mean, we don't know ourselves when we're 15. Exactly. And, and, and that, that takes time. I mean, the journey I've been doing is that I used to be, when I was in Sweden or when I was studying, I used to be very much black and white. I was wearing a lot of tight fitting clothes and I was wearing a lot of like yeah, blouses and, and, and shirts and, and black blazers because I, I came from like a private school in high school. So I thought that was like the business look that I should have. <laughs> and when I started to travel more and I started to abroad, I realized like, no, I'm a hippie. <laughs> uh, like all this like hippie clothes is like very poor quality material that was like I would never wear at home. So I felt like there was also such a big conflict in me and my identity. I, I was like changing identity based on where I were and how I dressed. And my class, like closet didn't make sense at all. And and then I was having like, um, I had some problem in my early 20s around uh, eating disorder. So at some point, all my clothes was just very loose fitting and big because I didn't feel comfortable in like, like the clothes that was sitting too tight on the body. Mm. And like the last few years, I was like going through my closet because I also have a husband who's been working in the fashion industry as a model. So his closet is way bigger than mine and he has a really, really specific taste and he was like Sophie like why don't you wear something that like you have a really nice beautiful body like but you never really show it and and for me that was like yeah that is true like all of my clothes are like hiding my body and I'm not saying like as a woman you should show your body or you should do as a man like if your husband says so that is not what I'm saying but for me it was like an insight that I was not really like cherishing my body I was not like yeah, giving respect to it somehow. Um, so there were so many things that changed. For example, like I, I almost have nothing black left in my closet. Like I'm a, I'm a completely colorful person. I hated the 70s when I was young. And now all I can think about is like inspired by the 70s. <laughs> and, so that has been quite an interesting journey to like, like the last few years, like, okay, I like it when it's inspired by the 70s. I like also when it's a little bit inspired by the 20s or the 40s, especially 40s when it comes to the shape of the woman. Oh, I love 40s as well. Even if it's almost impossible to find clothes today that look like that, but that is something I'm, I'm striving for. And I also like, I don't like to wear high heels. I don't wear them that much. And I just don't want to have a lot of shoes in my closet that are just ending up. And um, I prefer to play with like big sweaters, but tight skirts and collars and these things so yeah it has taken me some time to come to where I am today and now like every single thing I buy has that like vision in mind like what is my dream closet who am I mm. what do I want to communicate what do I feel comfortable in and I, I love it I think it's like it's a nice journey like I used to have a lot of 
things in leather, for example. But since I'm also a vegan, even if they I bought them on second hand, I just feel less or less that they are representing who I am. So more and more of those items are also I buy I sell them on second hand because a lot of people appreciate those high quality items. But things like that are are truly changing, and I, I think everybody. I just want to encourage people to to ask themselves those questions and to reflect upon like how has my style changed and what do I feel comfortable in and what is it that inspiring me and is there something I want to communicate or not and uh, yeah what about you yeah it's actually a very funny thought that the style keeps changing as well and obviously we're now in our 30s and then perhaps when we're in our 50s we'll have another opinion again um but yeah definitely in that sense that I've been becoming more comfortable with myself for sure I was dancing ballroom and latin dance competitively all my childhood and youth let's say so obviously all the pressure what comes to how you look like was there and I gladly didn't go really deeply into eating disorders but that was quite present around and obviously different kinds of thoughts about that So in those years, it was easy to try to hide yourself in many ways or try to be something that was accepted around in society. And so, but obviously now with years and finding your true values and life in general, it's been easier to just really choose what feels comfortable, what you like, how you look like and and so on. So one funny thing that as I was younger, I was used to use a lot of skirts and dresses and I really love that and I I think I would still love it but I don't know if I own one single dress at the moment to be honest this is something quite funny that I really just use pants always but it's kind of similar perhaps also on the beauty side there's been different seasons that I used to use a lot of makeup I remember once as a teenager I had a like rock style for some years and I was really putting like this heavy makeup on I don't know where it came from I don't think that was really me at all but at some point that felt really nice but then I've been really becoming more I like very natural makeup and very natural style how is your beauty consumer journey been yeah well I think I never really put that much attention or effort to beauty as a young person um, I, I mean, my, my grandmother, she's a hairdresser, or she was. So for me, it was very important how my hair looked like. And uh, having my mom and my grandma being much, very much aware, they easily, like, when at a very young age, I, I learned a lot of things like, you know, how to shave your legs, how to stay brown, how not to burn your skin, you know, all those things I applied quite at a very young age. But I never really spent a lot of time in front of the mirrors, like in the morning. Like I've always been a very like five minutes routine person. And and I've been exploring a little bit with makeup and a little bit with lipsticks. But my makeup routine is pretty much the same as it was 10 years ago. Like there's a few, it's a few things that have changed. Um, but but I think I, I love makeup and I think it's a lot of fun. But I think I just don't want things to take too much time, you know, in the morning, especially in the morning in front of the mirror. I'm very much a person that these days, this has also changed throughout the years, that I prefer some to have plenty of days actually in the week where I don't wear any makeup. Um, I like to keep my like skin without it. Ten years ago, I started to explore to make my own, own products. And I did that for many years on a regular basis, like body scrubs, for example, 
my exploring is more in the kitchen now with kombucha and other things but but um, yeah to make your own butter scrub is very easy and it smells so good and it's a very lovely thing to to you use on your body but I have a few brands I stay loyal to when it comes to, to beauty or and I don't really explore that much as maybe as I should or want to. Currently, I'm I'm not satisfied with the makeup I have, but it's good enough. But I like to try things, which is harder when you buy them online because you're kind of like, yeah, I like to go into the store, you know, and try it on the skin and see if it's work for me or not. I like the the beauty routines of applying the serums, like cleansing the skin. I do a facial massage, yeah, every morning now. But I think these things have changed, like just since I turned thirty. <laughs> now I use sun. Now I use sun protection, like on a daily basis, or or especially during the summer month or if I'm abroad, like every day, like because I even been people even been telling me I go to like a skin therapist or and she's like Sophie, you know that you have spots from the sun. I was like, what? <laughs> I haven't noticed that. So, so since I turned 30, I've been coming more aware to like, like, yeah, drink more water, do a facial massage, protect the skin from the sun, cleanse it like uh, directly. But I'm not doing it because I have to, or I like, I'm scared of getting old or wrinkles or anything like that. I kind of like the self-care moment. Like every weekend I have like the, I do like a facial scrub and a facial mask and something for my hair and I like to have those moments when you look after yourself I just don't like it when it's like a must each morning um, but I like it in before I go to bed at night to have some quality time for myself in the bathroom so it's a different approach and it's not like I have to do it it's not like I look myself in the mirror and, and have a lot of thoughts on regarding if I'm aging or not I think we all need to go back to our own intentions behind what we're doing and why we're doing them. And uh, if you truly like like to spend a lot of time, spend a lot of money, like don't feel guilty about it if it's something that brings you joy. But if something that brings you stress and if something that makes you feel worse, like yeah, yeah, then you might question like is this truly a healthy relationship? But if there's something that just makes us yeah take care of ourselves, I think it's absolutely fine. Mm, absolutely. It's just, uh, I'm very curious, do you have similar ways to think about fashion? Like you mentioned that in the mornings, your beauty routine is super simple and, and fast. Is it the same with fashion or clothes? Yeah, I, 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 I always wear leisure wear, like in the evenings and in the morning. I want to feel comfortable. I want to like, yeah, I don't want to have like tight jeans or anything like that. In the days I dress, I normally know my schedule. Like, if this is this a day I'm staying home or is this a day I'm going out? Um, since I exercise quite a lot, I sometimes end up like putting on my sportswear in the morning because I know I would go for a run in the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I do change outfits probably three times a day because I'm I'm doing different things. It's also if I'm with my husband, we normally I normally like to ask him what he's going to wear because I like I I can't stand the fact if we look like if not if we're not a match. And it sounds like maybe super silly, but if he's wearing like blue, I would probably wear something gray, bluish, or he's wearing red. Like I don't know, I I, I can't I I don't, I don't know I I like things to be her like in a harmony around me, and that comes to my husband as well, and he normally knows quite well what he likes to wear or how to dress, and uh, 
So it's kind of like, okay, you're wearing those clothes. But many of the times we just go up in the morning, we dress and we're just ending up being too similar. Like, you know, my, my husband said he used to hate couples who look the same. And we always look the same. Like we go up in the morning and we're going to go for a, to a park and we end up both wearing our like Patagonia sweaters, like with our Patagonia jacket. That's like, it's just so silly. <laughs> so I do spend a lot of thoughts on what I wear and for what occasion but and there are moments where I feel like I have nothing to wear moments still this is why I'm creating a sustainable closet because I'm going to end those moments in my life but most of the time I'm very quick like okay I have a few uniforms you can call it like a few outfits that I know I feel comfortable in and those are like five six of them and I can just rotate them on a weekly basis and know that I will I will feel good in what I'm wearing and how I look I think the only tricky part in the Scandinavia country is the weather changes. It's just like you might have a good idea on what to wear and suddenly it's colder than you think or it's warmer than you think or, <laughs> or it might change over the day. So so like when you are a person that like cares a little bit, like, okay, how do I do this? It might rain, maybe it doesn't rain. It's going to be warm. We're going to a party, but it's a little bit cold. Like I find the weather aspect to be the, the most tricky part. So I don't know. I think it's also like what people say, like, create your sustainable closet, find your 10 favorite items. And it's just like, have you ever lived in Sweden or Finland where you might experience two or three weather seasons in one day? <laughs> it's just, it's not easy. I found also over the years, one thing that, for example, when I was younger, I had a lot of different kinds of pieces and there were a lot of them, but then not easy necessarily to match. But lately I have a very small closet so it really doesn't even take time because I have only the two or three options. So that really helps to that as well, to be faster. We've talked a little bit about how was the past and what things are happening at the moment, but how do you see the future of fashion industry, beauty industry, other industries and, and in general, our future? Well, I think I'm, I'm quite optimistic. I think there's some like a great awareness going on right now where people really want to make good choices. And I think that consume, consumer or like consumption power is very important. And I, I believe it truly creates impact. You also see more and more circular options coming out that are more available, more easy, more niched. Like before, maybe there was only one secondhand shop and now suddenly you can find curated secondhand shops that one might be based on vintage and one might be based on sportswear which makes it all easier for consumers to be more circular i also think that all the initiatives and legislation going on in the european union of collecting textiles because that is one big problem like in sweden for example we consume 14 kilo of textiles per year uh, about 3.8 of those kilos we donate to secondhand, but we only buy 0.8 kilo textiles secondhanded. So there's still way more secondhand textiles on the market that there is a demand. And there's also a lot of those textiles still end up in the bins because there's no proper textiles collection. In Europe, there are other countries actually like uh, Germany and Netherlands and that are being more on the forefront in this regard compared to Scandinavian countries. So all this like legislation where it actually becomes like a demand or something that municipalities has to do or it's, it's really, really good. It's really, really needed. And also the, we need to put criteria when it comes to the newly produced clothes, that they are transparent in the supply chain, that they are following the human rights, that 
you can actually tell how much chemicals or waters or uh, CO2 emissions that this item has actually produced. That should be transparent. And I think there's there's a lot of good initiatives. I mean, even in the fast fashion big companies, they do have a lot of initiatives to, to be more sustainable. However, those initiatives are just very far away from being like completely circular. So from a design basis, fashion students today need to learn how to design with a circularity in mind. Because today, clothes are produced in a very mixed materials like polyester, cotton, maybe it's unsell, maybe something else. And this makes it very, very hard to separate and makes it very, very hard to circulate. Like a textile fiber will sooner or later be used. So you can reuse a cloth for a certain amount of time. You can probably mend it and fix it and you can probably upcycle it or you can cut it and use it for something else like washing but sooner or later, textiles need to find their way to recycling. And I think it's very promising that there are a few companies and there's a few alternatives out there where they do collect cotton and make new clothes out of them. The problem is we just need to follow the EU hierarchy where things just need to be reused over and over again before they are being recycled. So there are plenty of good alternatives out there, plenty of good initiatives, uh, even from the fashion industry themselves. Uh, they have their own following the Paris Agreement targets and re how to reduce their emissions and how to calculate their emissions in their supply chains. There are really good initiatives out there, but the transition needs to just happen faster. Because today, the fashion industry uh, represents about 10% of the carbon emissions globally. And that is more than the, um, the shipping and the flying combined. So it's a huge industry. And if we could keep on increasing the clothing consumption as we're doing today, because we have to think about that demand in countries where people now have better incomes are still increasing. We are going to be like represent one of the biggest polluters on the planet. Um, in the upcoming decades so it's like we still need a rapid transition yeah to summarize good alternatives good options plenty of initiatives changing changing laws coming up but it just needs to happen quicker and more people need to be on the board like more people need to be a part of this transition because even if we sometimes like say well young people they are different look at Fridays for Future well you still have a young people's day that so easily through an app can buy a new outfit on a Friday day for just like 15 euros or something. And and there's still a lot of fast fashion influencers and people with big platforms that are still promoting like every day you should have a new outfit and the latest colors and you should follow trends. So that marketing mechanism is still very, very strong. And there's still a lot of people who feel like they need to change their clothing on a regular basis and they feel like they they have to follow these trends. So we still have a lot of work to do uh, before more people feel like, okay, it's time to change. But also, of course, we need politically advocacy and engagement. We are not only consumers. And this is something I think sometimes is missing in the debate that we can all make a difference as a consumer. But if you are born in a country where there is a democracy that actually works to be able to use your vote, and, and just send one email to your, like, your local municipality politician and ask them about this. How are you going to collect textiles? Or what is your role in making the fashion industry more sustainable? Like You don't have to be an expert to start to ask these questions. 
we need changes on a systematic level. And a systematic change is just not going to happen only because people are more aware as a consumer. So don't feel like you be, need to be the perfect like sustainable consumer when it comes to beauty or fashion in order to make a change. I think quite the other way around. Like You can even start to become an activist or engage. And over time, you will change your consumption behavior and enjoy it. I just want to say that too. Like it doesn't have to be like something boring. Like for since I started a sustainable closet, I've been finding so many upcycling artists, like people who buy textiles on second hand. They could be all old bed sheets or old towels and that no one really wanted and people thought they looked ugly. And that now now they're turning like these amazing jackets or dresses in this amazing material and patterns. Like there's so much innovation out there and so much creativity. So we could also enjoy this transition. We could also have fun while doing something good. Oh my God, I can so agree with this one. I mean, also in the beauty side, I feel like the more I do this, the more I research, the more I try new brands, new products, the more excited I get. I might get more minimalistic in a way that what I actually use. But I mean, there's so many incredible products made in the Nordics, for example, and I had no clue about these brands before. Some didn't even exist two, three years ago. So the journey is just so exciting. Definitely can agree with that. And you've said really nicely about all of the thoughts about the future. And I could say like, yet again, beauty industry is very similar what comes to everything that it really needs to start from the legislation of the, for example, in European Union has quite a strict law already what comes to cosmetics. It needs to improve as well as all the consumers. We can always do better decisions what comes to any single product. We just need to start, like just start with one thing, change one thing. And then you kind of start to get excited and interested in knowing more like, okay, what can I do next and next and so on. Also in the beauty industry, for example, there are a lot of these huge corporates that have always been there. They are also moving towards the green, but obviously greenwashing and all this comes then along as well. But it's nice to see even the bigger ones are starting to shift, perhaps because people are demanding other products nowadays. So one consumer definitely has has power in that sense. Yeah, and, and I mean, let them do it because like if they can increase, like improve the minimum criteria, like for example, we can see that a lot of fast fashion brands, the, the recycled polyester or recycled cotton or organic cotton become, become more and more common. And of course, this doesn't mean that this item is sustainably produced. I mean, the workers' rights is still there, that that's still an issue. It still takes a lot of resources. It's still very poor quality. Can it still be recycled? It doesn't live up to all the sustainability criteria. But what if just all fast fashion brands were actually starting to to use organic cotton because today only like one percent a very small percentage is organic and cotton has like a plenty of chemicals is used during cotton production it actually matters for the farmers and the people living nearby this cotton field if it's organic or not so we shouldn't just dismiss them i'm saying like oh all this greenwashing is all bad but of course, it is somehow greenwashing because they're not really changing their business model. We need to see both perspectives and we need to see that they have to be able to make these minor changes that do has a huge impact on the world. And as a consumer, we just have to see where we're at and where we want to be and how can we contribute and how can we make a difference. I tell people who are very much into fashion and say they can't find anything on second hand, they can't do this. I, can, I just always tell them, well, 
can you at least look at the, the material in the store before you buy it? Because maybe you can find something that has a better material than the other. And that could be the first step, you know, okay, that's the first step. Let's at least start to look at the materials and see if the materials are a little bit better than something else. And when people start to do that, they start to open their eyes to alternatives. And sooner or later, they might go into another store. And sooner or later, they start to require other things. And sooner or later, secondhand wasn't that bad after all. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I think both in the beauty and in, in clothing and all the other industries, there's so many ways that leads to a more sustainable world and and but like you said i also find the same thing with fashion as you said with beauty there there's so many alternatives out there like there's so many of these small scale brands like you said many like pumped up during the pandemic because people start to switch their um their work to something they're truly passionate about and wanted to do instead so we've been seeing a lot of those brands in when it comes to fashion that just like they started to produce at home just a year or two ago and that's amazing so yeah, there are always better choices out there. Mm. And it's funny how you say like it can be a really simple step that you do at first. This applies to every industry. Like, for example, if you see a, a commercial saying like, oh, you need this, for example, just to think, do I really need this? Is this something I want? For example, it can be a very simple thing that makes shifts your mind mm. in a way to think differently already. But then you will kind of start looking for the options that you really need. One thing I really wanted to ask you, because since you're a very expert on a sustainable closet, what would be your tips? Like, where would you start from? What would be the first things to to think about? I mean, the first thing is truly to get to know yourself and your style. To, and even if you don't know what your style is, and maybe you're not as like passionate about it, like just look at your closet and ask yourself, like, what are the items I use the most, and why? Is it because it's a specific color? Is it a specific material? Is it how they fit on my body? Does it have like an emotional memory attached to it? To really try to see what is it that you truly like and why? Because if you know that you will just save money, (laughs) save time and save resources for the planet and the earth. The other thing is, of course, to do a cleans out. Like whatever is in your closet that you don't, really use or need and and that could be different for some people because some people they like to put things away and they might go back to it a year or two later other people like to keep their closet like more simple and they don't like too many things in there so you just need to ask yourself but if you can't really see what you're having or if you feel like often come with the feeling you have nothing to wear probably there's a lot of things in your closet that you have broken up with emotionally that you still keep there so to keep it like to clean and to keep it um, well organized and and it's somehow so you at least can access what is it you're having how many pants do I have okay and how many tops do I have I can match my pants with the other thing I would recommend people is like exchange things with friends from like um, and just try their clothes and let them try your clothes because sometimes when someone else goes and look into your closet they might find a different way to combine the clothes and put out an outfit compared to how you would do it. And the same thing if you goes into someone else's closet and you might borrow a blazer and you thought you didn't like blazers, but now you're bla- wearing blazers all the time. It could also be a way to like renew your closet or re-explore your closet. Really start to get to know yourself in your closet before anything else. And of course, then it's, it's, it comes back to what can you mend uh, that you have at home, that it's broken, that you might have used. 
if you need something for a wedding or a birthday party or something that you might not always wear on a daily basis, can you rent it? Can you borrow it? So really try to figure out what are your basic clothing that you use on a regular basis and what are the clothes you might not use on a regular basis. Ask yourself also, what are you doing the most during the week? For example, if you're a person that exercises a lot, it makes a lot of sense that you have a few clothes you can exchange with because so you can wash the clothes you've been using when you've been exercising. If you're a person that really likes to stay in front of the couch on Netflix every single evening, maybe you actually should have more leisure wear that you actually really, really like. If you're a person that often go out in the weekends, it makes absolutely sense that you have a closet based on what you prefer to wear when you're going out sometimes we just have a lot of things like you said like some people that have a lot of dresses but they never really use them because they don't really like dresses and they might force themselves to wear it on a birthday party you know and they might just not have the basic things they need for their lifestyle if you're an outer person maybe that's what your closet should be built around that you mostly prefer to be outdoor and the other days in the week you just need a few two or three things to exchange with you know so really get to know what is it that you're doing during the days and how does your closet reflect that. Um, and the other thing I want to tell about people about is that, of course, the payment per use idea. Oh, I love this. I love this. Sometimes we just think something is really expensive or we think that it's not worth it. But ask yourself, how often and how long am I going to use it? So if you buy a pair of shoes, and sometimes finding shoes that is actually good for your feet on second hand can be difficult. You might find shoes that you can wear once in a while, but sometimes we need to look at the health aspect when it comes to running or exercising or walking. You need good shoes that are suitable for your feet. And if you buy um, walking shoes of better quality, that you're going to use almost on a daily basis for two or three years, like you're even happy if they last for two years, you know, then if they they cost you 200 euros, it, it's not much money looking at how many times you will use them. If it's difficult for you to save up those money, of course it is a lot, a lot of money and that logic might not work. But if you, same thing when it comes to a jacket, like uh, uh, two or three years ago, I bought a new winter jacket and I actually did that the first time in 15 years. I've been having the same winter jacket <laughs> for 15 years. And the, I, I bought a really high quality jacket that I, I knew had a timeless design in a color like more green marine that I, that I really, really liked. And I knew that the cost with this jacket would be very cheap for me in the long run because I'm going to wear it every single winter, every single day. Sometimes we end up buying these items that we think are cheap, but we just wear them once. It's like, oh, I paid 25 euros for that, that top and I only wore it once. It's a really expensive top. But I bought this, this other sweater that I'm using every single day um, uh, during the winter and it cost me 100 euros. But I wear it every single day. So so take the cost of the item you, you have purchased or going to purchase and divide it on how many days you're probably going to use it and ask yourself, what is the cost? Um, so that is also a good way to reevaluate what things are worth um, and what you actually need. This is a very, I already forgot the first tip, but, but for example, it's, I mean, it's incredible that we start to collaborate because all the tips you just said can be applied to the beauty side as well mm. i mean to really get to know your skin what your skin needs and this is the way that you can 
choose the products and only the products that really work for you. So then you don't end up with a closet that is so clogged with so many different kinds of products that you cannot and you will not even use. Mm. And then obviously to go through the closet, what do you have there? Like, is there an old cream that is already expired or is there something that you just never use and it's not even good for your skin, but you just bought it because it was in sales or something like this. And then perhaps if you're a person that really likes to play with makeup, then you can use a tiny bit more money for those, those products that you really enjoy and want to last well. I feel like all the tips work as well for the beauty side. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're all great because when it comes to beauty, I've been doing that mistake as well. Like I've been buying these like oil organic creams that are just handmade produced somewhere and they are just too like thick for me to be able to actually use at any place of my body because they're too oily or they you know so I've been doing those mistakes as well like I've been buying things that I think are really sustainably made but it, it hasn't it wasn't good for my skin so I end up not using them that much um yeah I think I think it's a really yeah it's valid advice in in all aspects for sure mm. and it's funny I feel like while we're talking and while you're sharing all your tips and your thoughts and insights from the fashion industry I feel like I even see more common points about the beauty and fashion so this is really amazing to to start this collaboration with you too um, before I forget would you like to share where people can read more learn more follow a sustainable closet and and your journey Yay, go to asustainablecloset.com. And I mean, even if you're not a person that are truly into sustainability, I'm sure, um, I guarantee this page is not about talking about the problems or shaming people. It's definitely a page where you will find plenty of stores, plenty of brands, plenty of tips and recommendations. We have our interview series with change makers that are people who dress very, very handsomely in different kinds of styles, different colors with different with a diversity of backgrounds that can can inspire you. So it's it's truly aimed to be a fashion magazine that you can enjoy. So go to sustainablecloset.com and please follow us on Instagram. Uh, we launched our Instagrams way later than we did our platform. So we love all the love we can get there and feedback. And it's also a good way for you to save your favorite brands. Like, cause we give a lot of recommendations on different brands and different stores. So it could also be for you to have like a, a guidebook. So yeah, Instagram and our page and um, sign up for a newsletter because we're summarizing our most read articles and blog posts and interviews, but we also give tips on advices and guides on how you can create your sustainable closet. So, so don't miss that. And we have more collaborations and more um, things coming up. So there, there's a lot of things happening at the moment. And uh, so, yeah, please follow our journey and stay in touch and if you want to get involved somehow, all, you can always reach out with your ideas. We, we're happy to do collaborations or have people to, as guest bloggers. And, and we're very, very open. We think that sustainability is not something we will achieve just by being us. Like it's something we need to do together. And we need to find ways to create, a stim like simultaneously create change together. So yeah, don't feel afraid to reach out. Like we, we do, we're all in this together. Also, obviously you talk a lot about the fashion industry, but you're also opening up a little bit the beauty side um, when it comes to sustainability. Yeah, yeah. A lot of thanks to you because I think it's, it's they go hand in hand, right? Because <laughs> one way to renew your closet is that like just wear different makeup, you know, or do like 
wear accessories or do your hair differently and you can have a complete different outfit so i also think that they go very much hand in hand and and uh, if we find it enjoyable to do sustainability on the beauty side we might open it up on the fashion side and vice versa so so yeah we're definitely doing this together so yeah we do mention beauty um as well in our platform amazing well thank you so much for being in the podcast and i cannot wait to see all these things that we're going to do together thank you Sato. thank you for having me and thank you for inviting me and thank you for the work you are doing and uh, yeah i'm excited very excited about this thank you very much thank you for listening to this episode of the nordic natural beauty podcast make sure you have subscribed or you follow the podcast so you won't miss the coming episodes If you know someone that would love to know more about the subjects that we're discussing in this podcast, please share this episode. We will keep sharing all things Nordic and natural, such as Nordic skincare tips, insights into the natural beauty industry, and unheard behind-the-scenes stories. You can follow the Nordic Natural Beauty Journey also on our Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Pinterest pages, simply at Nordic Natural Beauty Awards, and on Twitter at NNB Awards. Until next week, bye-bye! Thank you.